If you haven't already, please take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, the passage that Bryant read for us. As we begin this morning, I just want to say a word of thanks to all of those who have uh, filled in and covered for me over the last couple weeks as I was recovering uh, from sinus surgery. And if I have to step over there and turn my microphone off and sneeze in a moment, I just pray you'll, you'll give me some grace. Um, I promise to come back. Um, over the last few weeks, we have been looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and in particular in Ephesians chapter 2, we've been considering God's mission, God's work to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, take the gospel into our community, take the gospel to those who are far off, and bring them near. And so we have been considering God's mission and our role in it. So I just want to remind you um, that in your seats, you should see a flyer like this, which is your invitation to join us this December in our Redeemer on Mission offering. And um, all gifts given to the Redeemer on Mission offering this December would, would help us fund our missions endeavors for next year. And all those things are listed here on this flyer. Today, um, for our sermon, we turn our, we turn our eyes uh, to Advent. We turn our eyes to the Christmas season. We turn our eyes uh, to Jesus, God who came became man and dwelt among us for the purpose of bringing God's saving grace to us. Uh, This morning, um, I I picked this passage in Ephesians 3 just for us to carry forward where we've been and also to drive home this point. When Jesus came and revealed the glory of God. And when Jesus came and revealed the purposes of God, the world was forever changed. So if if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm giving you like 30 seconds. There it is. When Jesus came and revealed God and the glory of God, and when Jesus came and revealed the purposes of God, the world was forever changed. Now, the argument in these six verses, which Bryant read for us just a moment, comes from a man named Paul, and um, Paul actually did not walk with Jesus while he was on the earth, but after his death and his resurrection, Jesus appeared particularly to Paul for the purpose of drawing Paul to himself and giving Paul a mission to take this gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And Paul writes as a prisoner. Paul writes as one who has lost much and suffered much for the glory and the purpose of God in Christ. And Paul is basically saying here, it's all worth it. Because Jesus showed me the glory of God and Jesus showed me the purpose of God. And in Christ, I know what God is doing. The world is forever changed because of Jesus. Paul is forever changed because he saw Jesus. And what I'm praying for you this morning and what I'm praying for myself and what I'm praying for our church is that as we go through this Christmas season, we'll be reminded that what we celebrate is not sweet baby Jesus in a manger, but what we celebrate is God revealed, God's glory shown, God's purposes made known so that the world would never be the same. 
And I'm praying that we would be so overwhelmed by this message that we would never be the same. So maybe I'm just here today to mess up your Christmas. I guess I could have called the sermon that. But instead, I called it Advent. And let me tell you why. Advent's a season that the church celebrates. We have candles, we light them, we talk about things like joy, hope, peace, love. But Advent is a word that simply means the arrival of a notable person, notable thing, or notable event. In the, coming, in the Christian context, our faith is built around two advents. The first coming of Jesus, where he revealed the glory and the purpose of God, and the second coming of Jesus, which is still future, and the one upon we wait and we hope. And so here at this Christmas season, we're looking back and we're praising the Lord for the coming of Jesus, which changed everything. And we're looking forward, longing for the day when Jesus comes again and brings an end to the sickness and death and pain of this world. So based upon what Paul says in this passage, which we're going to look at in just a moment, I contend to you that the coming of Jesus changes everything. And I want us to interpret the Christmas story through the lenses of Jesus being the answer, the giver of peace, the giver of hope, the giver of eternal life, the one who changes everything. So for my note-taking friends, our first point this morning Jesus reveals. Jesus reveals. Something that had been hidden or something that had been fuzzy, something that had been unclear, has been made clear through Jesus coming. And that's what Paul says. Paul says, I am a prisoner on behalf of you Gentiles, that is those who are not Jewish descendants. Paul says, I've been given a stewardship of God's grace and I've been given a stewardship of God's grace because, verse 3, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. So let's just, let's just use grammatical English minds. What Paul is saying is something that wasn't clear was made clear when Jesus revealed himself to me. Something that wasn't clear was made clear when Jesus revealed himself to me. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm a prisoner, I endure hardship, I endure everything that I've endured because I saw Jesus. And when I saw Jesus, things which were unclear were made clear to me. Particularly, what was it? What was it that Paul saw that changed everything? Take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 8. 
the book of Acts in chapter 8. Now, I'm not going to read this whole chapter to you. I'll trust that you're able to do that yourselves. But notice what's going on here. Paul, at this point, was going by the name Saul. And he, in Acts 7, has just overseen and approved of the killing of Stephen, one of the, the faithful amongst the followers of Jesus. And now Paul is going to go from Jerusalem and he's going to head out with clearance to persecute and kill followers of Jesus. And so we're told in this passage that Paul is walking along Shift over to Acts chapter 9. Paul's walking along, headed out to go to Damascus and bring persecution against the followers of Jesus and against the church. And we read in chapter 9 and verse 3, Paul says, we're told that as Paul went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank anything. Then Paul goes into Damascus, and he sees a man named Ananias, whom Jesus has also revealed himself to, and said, look, Paul's going to come to you, and I have great purpose for him. And then in verse 17, Ananias is going to come to Paul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. All right, so minimally, I hope you are sitting there reading that story and you're going, what Paul experienced was a clear manifestation of Jesus Christ and what Paul saw in the person of Jesus was that he was wrong about Jesus. Jesus was not a liar. Jesus was not a lunatic. Jesus had not taken the name of the Lord in vain, but rather Jesus was the Son of God who fulfilled the promises of God and brought salvation to the people of God through his own life, death, burial, and resurrection. Paul saw that, Paul believed that, and Paul was forever changed. Why was Paul changed? Because Jesus revealed himself to Paul. We are a people 
of revelation. Our faith does not depend upon speculation. Our faith does not depend on personal preference. Our faith does not depend on vague hopes. Our faith does not depend on obscure passages from the Old Testament. Our faith depends upon the man Jesus who came, took on flesh, and clearly made known the ways, the purposes, and the glory of God to humanity. That is our faith. And I'm hoping minimally that from Ephesians chapter 3, you will grant to me that Paul believed what he saw, what Jesus revealed about himself to Paul, changed Paul and changed Paul's life forever. Seem like a fair interpretation of those passages? Now we're all sitting here and we're going, but man, I'm no Paul. I've never been to Jerusalem. I've never been on that road to Damascus and I've never seen a visible manifestation of Jesus. Fair enough. But I'm here to tell you today that what we've celebrated, what was read for us earlier, what we sang about was Jesus came, was born of a virgin, was born in Bethlehem, lived, died, taught, revealed the glory of God so that we all could encounter his greatness and his revelation and we could know God through him. So Jesus' life is recorded and preserved for us in the scriptures. And so in the Old Testament, from Genesis and all the way forward, and in the New Testament, which, which looks at and teaches us about the life of Jesus, we have enough revelation to know God, to know God's ways, to find salvation in Christ and in him alone, and to recognize that what we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus Jesus reveals the glory and the purpose of God to humanity. Jesus came to change everything. So yes, we don't get to see things as clearly as Paul did. But what this passage tells us is that we get to see things more clearly on this side of Jesus than all those who lived before him. Generations longed to see what we get to see and hear and believe. Look at the passage with me. Verse four, Paul says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. I want, you to, I want you to see that. Paul is saying that we on this side of Jesus have more clear, tangible understanding of God's purposes and God's ways than all the generations who came before. We have all the reason to know and to believe and to understand the greatness of God is revealed in the person of Jesus because we've been allowed to see and to believe. Let me just give you a few examples. God told Abraham, I want you to leave your land and go to the land that I'm going to show you and your name will be great and those um, that 
that bless you, I will bless, and those that curse you, I will curse, and you will be a blessing to the ends of the earth. Go, Abraham. Who wants to sign up for that? Right? Abraham did. God used him. The Old Testament is filled with these these, these stories of how God's going to fulfill his promises, how God's never going to leave his people, how God's never going to forsake his people. And then the next generation, they're sent into exile and they're wondering, how's God going to put all of this together? And then Jesus, born of Mary, in a manger, rises up and begins to teach. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Everything that Abraham longed to see is fulfilled in me. Abraham longed to see my day and he believed and he rejoiced in it. We are told that by knowing Christ as the answer of how God is going to keep his word, glorify himself and build his people, we have more clarity about how we fit into the kingdom of God than those generations before Christ. And we are blessed to walk on this side of knowing God through Jesus. So I want you to understand that what we celebrate on, a, on Christmas morning is that Jesus reveals the glory and the purpose of God in a way that is clearly and tangibly understood. How can I have a right relationship with God? Through Jesus Christ. How can I know the purposes of God? by following what Christ told me. How can I glorify God with my life? By believing in Jesus and walking with him and serving him in this world. And so this morning, this Advent season, I'm compelling and conveying to you that Jesus came to reveal the glory and the greatness and the purpose of God so that we could know it and believe it. What is that? What is that? That leads to our second point. Our second point this morning, Jesus redeems. Jesus redeems. The mystery that's now been revealed is that Jesus who is the messianic answer to all God's promises to Israel, is also the savior of the nations. The coming of Christ made known God's intention to save one people from all nations for his glory. Look with me at verse 6. What's the mystery? The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What's the mystery? That there is one way of salvation for Jew and Gentile, and his name is Jesus. What's the mystery? There is one church of God made up of Jew and Gentile from every nation, tribe, and tongue. What's the mystery? 
There's one group, one people who partakes in the promises of God and all of those promises are yes and amen in one person, Jesus Christ. There's one gospel. There's one way of salvation. There's one way of new life. There's one way of everlasting hope. There's one way of walking in the glory of God and it's by walking in Jesus Christ. What's the mystery? The mystery is that God's promises to Israel and God's promises that the nations would be blessed are being fulfilled in one person who began his life as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. So we can take it all the way back to to Abraham. I mentioned Abraham a minute ago, Genesis chapter 12. God told Abraham that, that, that God would bless Abraham and his offspring and that Abraham would be a blessing to all the nations. So how's God going to bless Abraham? The children of Abraham are Israel. How's he going to bless them? Through Jesus. And how is God going to make Abraham a blessing to the nations? Through Jesus. So in one God-man named Jesus. God is fulfilling every promise that he's ever made, the way of salvation into the one people of God to walk in the promised blessing of God comes through Christ and through Christ alone. And this is our good news. Who is our hope? Jesus. Who will forgive our sins? Jesus. What is Jesus doing? He's building a people made up of Jew and Gentile, made up of all the nations of the earth who will together glorify his name and together bear much fruit for his glory in this earth. Jesus came to reveal and Jesus came to redeem. Now, friends, what should we do with these truths? I have a few thoughts for us. And then we might actually get done with something early here at Redeemer. And I know you're all like, I believe it when I see it. What should we do with this reality that Jesus came to reveal and Jesus came to redeem? Number one, let's take Jesus seriously. Let's take Jesus seriously. Man, Christmas, Advent, it's my favorite season of the year. And yet, it's one of the most messed up seasons of the year because there's a million things pulling at our attention and pulling at our minds and pulling for our affections. When the purpose of this season is that Jesus came to bring God's salvation. Jesus came to reveal God's glory. Jesus came to reveal God's purposes to save one people from all nations. So this Christmas, I ask 
if you will join me in being intentional to take Jesus seriously. To consider his claims. To actually read the stories of his birth and his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Will you take Jesus seriously? Second, will you saturate your life in the Word of God? Will you saturate your life in the Word of God? If we want to take Jesus seriously, then we have to go to the place where the stories of Jesus are told with accuracy and truth and without error. And the places those are told are in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, particularly the stories of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the stories of what came after, Acts and all the letters after it. But also, we can go back and we can look through the Old Testament and we can see how God was always pointing to his Messiah, his child, his son, who would come and deliver the, the satisfaction of all of his promises. If we believe that God's purposes and God's character are revealed to us, we find God revealed in his word. And so we would be a people who would take his word Seriously. If you have a hard time reading the scripture, if you have a hard time getting started in the scripture, if you have a hard time knowing how to walk through and take the scripture seriously, in January of this, this coming year, we're going to have an emphasis to help us all get started down that path. And we'll be um, publicizing that more in the days ahead. But if we believe that Jesus came to reveal and Jesus came to redeem, then we will take the word of God and the, the testimonies of Jesus seriously. Third, if we believe that Jesus reveals and Jesus redeems, I would invite you to trust Christ and Christ alone as your Savior to trust Christ and Christ alone to be the one to make you acceptable in the sight of God, to forgive your sins, and to welcome you in to the people of God. Coming to church is a good thing. Coming to church does not make you a child of God. Giving money to the church is a good thing, but giving money to the church does not make you a child of God. Participating in a ritual at church is a good thing, but participating in a ritual at church does not make you a child of God. Wanting to be good and moral is a good thing, but being good and moral does not make you a child of God. The only thing that makes a person a child of God and acceptable in his sight is the blood of Jesus, which was spilled to cover our sin. And the only thing in the way we connect to the blood of Jesus is by faith. That is by, by trusting that his blood is our only hope. And so if we believe that Jesus came to reveal and Jesus came to redeem, then we will trust Christ by faith. So perhaps today for the first time, 
You need to come to a place where you recognize that you need God's salvation and you cry out to him for saving grace. If that's where you are today, you can do that right there where you sit. I would love to talk with you about that. There are many other folks here who would love to talk to you about that. Christians, let us never fail to depend upon God by faith. Let us never shift into pulling up ourselves by our own bootstraps, carrying ourselves by our own morality, acting as if we've got it all together. Let us be a people of faith, recognizing that Advent says we're nothing, but Jesus is everything. Fourth and finally, I would invite you to commit your life to the work and the purposes of Jesus. This is what Paul's doing. I'm a prisoner, literally, because I've committed my life to the stewardship of taking God's grace to those whom he intended to receive it, which is all the peoples of the earth. I would commend to you to allow your life to be molded, shaped, used, aligned, and focused on the purposes of Jesus. Jesus desires that our lives glorify him by trusting him, that our lives glorify him by obeying him, that our lives glorify him by serving him, and that our lives glorify him by seeing that his gospel goes forth into this community and to the ends of the earth. So this Advent season, I compel you to take Jesus seriously, to run to his word, to trust him by faith, and to join him in his purposes, which he has made known to us.